The Charles Adler Show starts now. And we're back with the Charles Adler Show podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for downloading whatever app you're using, Apple, Google, Spotify. I don't care. We don't care. The only thing we care about is that you join us and that you follow or subscribe. It doesn't matter to me uh, what you're clicking on. Follow or subscribe to the Charles Adler Show podcast. And thanks, by the way, for the fabulous reaction to three minutes of that matter. I have a lot of fun with that every couple of days, sometimes every day, depending on um, where the, the mood is. What I want you to also know is that you can email me anytime, charles at charlesadler.com. That's charles at charlesadler.com. So it's a huge scandal in Ontario. And it's true that sometimes when you're growing up in Ontario, you have the feeling that whatever is huge in Ontario must be huge in the rest of the country. It ain't always necessarily so. But if anyone knows, it would be Laura Babcock, who lives in what she calls Punta Canada, which I call Southern Ontario. And Laura, it's uh, looking very, very opulent uh, back there. You're looking very, very happy, very, very middle class. But I know that beneath the smile, beneath the telegenic smile, is a lot of like volcanic anger that is boiling over because of Greenbelt. Because I don't want to leave anybody out. I wonder if you could just give us, uh, regardless of where we're watching this or listening to this in the world, uh, just a sort of a Coles Notes or, as, as they say in the States, the Cliff's Notes version of what Greenbelt is all about. So we're all involved. Yeah, Greenbelt is about a few developers secretly becoming enriched potentially by 8 to $25 billion because they had connections with the government. And those connections include handing envelopes saying which lands they wanted taken out of Greenbelt protection at an industry dinner. And then they were secretly given those lands, which meant that their valuation shot through the roof. And so at the very basics, the Greenbelt scandal, Charles, is a scandal of blatant corruption. How did a few individuals with access to the government end up getting so much of a, of a windfall? It's like a gold rush on this protected, important environmental land that had been locked down. And so why are Ontarians so mad? We're not just mad because it's blatant and that these weird characters are emerging, Mr. X and Phoenix Kiss and all these weird operatives that were, you know, buying tickets to Raptors games and all that kind of shady nonsense. It's not just that it's almost like a comedy of errors on how bizarre it is. It's the fact that there's money on the table that was secretly taken and the fact that the premier said, I hear you, my friends, I will not touch the green belt, I promise you. So there was a big lie that the premier told, Ontario's big lie. And then when he got his majority government back, he and his buddies circumvented all legal process, it looks like, and all certain best practice to give this money to a few of their friends, people who had been at his daughter's wedding, people who had contributed in the past. And so we've got videotapes, we've got all the evidence of a super scandal. And the only spin they've come up with that they think is sticking, Charles, is that they need this land to meet housing targets. But that is the second big lie of the Greenbelt scandal. There is enough available serviceable land within urban boundaries in the area to service these important lands, to build these important housing targets. So there's two big lies, a whole bunch of shady characters, billions of dollars on the table, and precious land that we need for our children's future. And if that's not enough to piss off you know, millions of people. I don't know what is. All right. Well, look, uh, yeah, we can talk about ten, tens of thousands of hectares of precious land, whether it's uh, farmland, wetland, forest, whatever. Uh, but what I want to focus on, if you, if you don't mind, is just the money 
because yeah. money is what motivates most behavior. So can you give me a sense of, A, how many people are involved among the developers who are, you know, friends of the, the Conservative Party in Ontario, friends of Ford Nation, whatever, but, you know, the so-called insiders. Approximately how many of these business people are there and, and what the land was worth when they purchased it and what it is now. So we have a sense of just how, how big a boondoggle this is. Yeah. Uh, well, there was the billion dollar boondoggle that you're alluding to maybe with the wind government that happened in Ontario where they, they you know, changed some plans on gas plants to win an election. That was bad. And people were very angry about that, Charles. This is bigger. This is bigger. So how many people are involved? We're just scratching the surface. I mean, initially they told us it's nothing. The premier is going to stand by his housing minister. Everything was on the up and up. And then the chief of staff in the housing minister's office quit in the first week under the bus, completely thrown under the bus. He's the guy who got those envelopes. And then they said, you know, nothing here, folks. They tried to do a bunch of other announcements, didn't work. The housing minister ended up resigning. That was a huge thing that happened uh, just this weekend. But also before he resigned, and this is key when you're talking about who might be implicated in this in terms of numbers, Charles, is that he hired the same lawyers that helped the staff who were caught in the, in the gas plant scandal years ago. So why are you lawyering up if you're just quitting your cabinet post? What else is going on there? So we've got the RCMP that have been handed this by the OPP because of a conflict of interest to look into, and people are waiting for that. But what we know so far, the housing minister felt he needed to resign. His chief of staff had to quit. We know that there's this former mayor, uh, this Mr. X, who was given, you know, incentive bonuses, I think a million dollars if he got the land taken out of the green belt. We've also got this Phoenix Kiss person, uh, this woman they're calling Anaconda. I mean, it really is a ridiculous cast of super villainous looking characters. But you have to also ask yourself, you know, deals of this magnitude, land that was undervalued really, because it was gonna be locked up in this green belt, was purchased by certain developers, uh, two main large ones, uh, they, it was purchased just before this big announcement that Ford was breaking his promise and opening up the land to development. So they, by the Auditor General, were, were, are in line to make at least $8 billion in profit uh, on that, the fact that their land is now super valuable for development. But that was based on numbers from a number of years ago. So people are now estimating it's up in the 20 billions of dollars, Charles. So, so ju just to, just to make just to make it as accessible as possible, Laura, are are we saying that every parcel of land that was purchased by some insider business person, that every single parcel of land was like winning the lotto max, that 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 land that they were paying maybe a couple of millions of dollars for ended up being worth or is is currently worth billions is it, have we have we turned millions into billions is that the story it's a super super win it's a gold rush it is a they're calling it the green belt grab you knew the right people you paid the right operatives you had the right envelopes you got the right deals right and this is uh, some people are comparing it to insider trading hence the rcmp's involvement we are still waiting there are requests to find out who the premier was talking to on his cell phone that wasn't government issued to see how involved he may or may not have been in this of course he denies you know any knowledge of all this and they're just blaming it on process charles which we all know is 
is what you say when you can't answer questions truthfully. You go to a process spin. Uh, but yeah, it's worth billions of dollars and concentrated to several families, right? Families who, you know, know the Fords, despite Ford saying he doesn't care about these developers, uh, doesn't give two hoots. Uh, they, they certainly won the lottery in knowing him and being close to his government. So we need to find out who all was involved, what's on those cell phone records. And remember, it was actually trying to scrub, I believe, some computer drives that got one of Dalton McGinty's staffers jail time back in the, the gas plant scandal. So, I mean, this is serious stuff. And I think why it matters across the country is that it's, I mean, it's not just comical and blatant and, oh my gosh, like Gotham level corruption we're looking at here, but it's the fact that this can have potentially criminal implications. I mean, how can certain people profit when all those farmers who might have wanted to sell that land because their kids didn't want to farm it, didn't get a rate like these developers who had inside track, apparently, on getting you know these prime lands and having them developed. So it's painful for a whole bunch of people, Charles. All right. Uh, there is not a single lawyer that I know of in Ontario, and many that I know who are living outside of Ontario aren't paying attention to this. And some of these people don't care about politics, as you say, a hoot. they don't give a hoot about politics, but they do care about the law. And it would seem to me that if every lawyer in Ontario cares deeply about this, it means one of two things, either major lawsuits or prison time. Well, you know what? I'm not a legal expert. Um, I can certainly, and so all of these are allegations. I mean, we know the minister quit for a reason. Uh, he's still staying in his seat for the moment, but why did he need lawyers? That's the question I'll be asking on my show today, right? Well, why do you get lawyers if you're just going to step down from one position within your, within your job? It doesn't make any sense. So what is there? Uh, and also there is a huge highway, controversial highway that Ford wants built through lands where a number of these same developers have got plots. I mean, the whole thing, I don't want to bore your audience outside of Ontario, um, but there, it, it feels like this is the kind of scandal that has tentacles that go and go and go. So I'm not accusing anybody of any criminal actions in this, but I am certainly going to continue to push the RCMP to let us know if there were criminal actions in this. And to your point, if lawyers are following this extremely carefully, uh, and I would argue now the media is fully engaged, both the traditional media and non-traditional media, we're going to find out, right? And so that's why the idea that Ford can just shuffle his cabinet today and just tell us all, it's going to be fine, folks, you can trust us again. It's not going to work. If uh, Doug Ford, uh, through his uh, various messengers, including uh, the former minister, um, if he was transmitting the message to friends of the party and uh, people who help fund his politics, if he was transmitting a clear message to them, you buy this piece of land at this ridiculously low price, low because there, there, there's no development allowed on it, but I will be changing the laws. If that's what actually happened, you buy this piece of land, you will become a billionaire. That is criminal. Plain and simple. That's criminal. And you know what? We need to find out, right? Which is why a lot of people, we already had a scathing Auditor General's report talking about the billions that these people were enriched by, by having this information. Like, why did they buy the, why did they buy those lands, Charles? You know, some of the months before. Now we've got actual video of, you know, this Mr. X talking about months before Ford's announcement, something big's coming, something big's coming, right? We have four years ago telling a group of developers in a small meeting that he would at some point open the Greenbelt 
lands. So it looks like this is a scheme that was cooked up a long time ago. Uh, maybe they needed their supermajority re-election in order to feel brazen enough to execute on it. Uh, but there are a lot of people involved. It certainly looks like there's criminality. But again, you know, let's find out. Let, but let's make sure the RCMP does its job. The OPP felt too close to the Ford government to be able to pursue this. Uh, so that alone bothers me. But now we need the RCMP to say, forget about assessing it. Let's do a full investigation. People in Ontario aren't going to stop. I mean, it's it just is so... Whether you like Ford or not, or you like his politics or not, Charles, and certainly I've had issues with his politics over the years, you can't like this level of corruption or perception of corruption. You just can't. You can't like the deception. You can't like the enrichment to the tune of billions to a few when so many are suffering in our province in homelessness and in poor healthcare circumstances. I mean, this has got this is pissing people off for many different reasons. And that's why people who say this is going to be over because Ford did another press conference are wish casting. They're wish casting, Charles. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> wish casting. <laughs> Uh, Laura, I, I love what Laura does uh, for the English language, um, among many other things that she does journalistically and uh, in, in every other thing that she's involved in. Now, Laura, I'm going to ask you to uh, use the resources of Power Group. Okay, so you're the head of a, a, a public relations firm, a, a firm that helps companies that have damage control. If you were a, a person hired by Ford himself, okay, just work with me here. If Ford hired you uh, to fart catch for him, to do damage control for him, um, what would you be advising the premier of Canada's most powerful province to do right now? Well, that's a great question. First of all, let me stipulate I never would. Don't work for political parties, Charles, but especially not people involved in stuff like this. Uh, the second thing is that what is his level of compromise, right? So if you're really going to work for someone, you have to understand all the balls that are in the air. Uh, and a lot of people are wondering, you know, who's really running the province? If Ford couldn't fire his housing minister, and yet the housing minister looks like with a, a bit of a, a little bit of a crisis of, of confidence in himself or in his reputation damage that was coming or in his legal risk, quits. I mean, so what is the premier really looking at? What are what are the problems in front of him? That would be the first thing that I would need to know. Just looking at it from the outside, I would suggest that going to another press conference and saying, hey, folks, I put another guy into the job of the guy who left and good on you, Steve, for taking ministerial responsibility and leaving your post, even though last week I said you did nothing wrong and I had full confidence, but yay. I mean, if he comes out and he thinks that's going to satiate the people of Ontario, he risks further chumming the anger waters here further chumming those anger waters, right? By just saying, once again, I think I'm impervious to scrutiny or to course correction or to listening to the millions of people who are very, very angry. Uh, it's gonna come across as hubris and it's gonna just make people redouble their efforts. And you talked about lawsuits earlier. I can't imagine those farmers not filing lawsuits. Who's gonna pay for them? Probably the taxpayer of Ontario, which sucks, but they have a right to be very angry and to, and to go to the courts about this stuff. So. His my advice to him is if he thinks he's going to give us just more pablum uh, and BS when he's already told us two big lies over and over again, it's not going to fly. He's got to put something on the table. Is it returning some of those lands? Right. Uh, is it an acknowledgement that, the, you know, he still feels he needs the housing on that property, even though it's not true, but he's going to restart the process with open bidding or open access to getting some lands unlocked, which is supposed to be the process for the Greenbelt review every, I think, 10 years or something. So he's got to give us something, Charles, because if I got to watch one more press conference where 
he's sweating and going, ah, shucks, folks, I'm going to lose it. I mean, you, it's, it's just this redundant, ridiculous hubris that we're getting from this premier. So maybe he's in a position personally where he cannot return those lands. I mean, there's lots of speculation out there. Uh, or maybe he's just incalcitrant or not reading the tea leaves in Ontario. But I would advise him, put something on the table and it better be something substantive. You have to show some give here because you're just going to make people more angry and more entrenched. When you talk about uh, the potential for farmers suing, that's because uh, most of it was uh, farmland uh, that was sold relatively cheaply uh, to people who may have known that uh, what they're buying cheap, like borscht, is going to become, uh, as I said earlier, a lottery ticket. Now, before we talk about the housing minister and uh, who replaces the housing minister, indulge me, if you will, and I I hope that people outside of the media are as interested in this as I am. The, The other day when a media person who uh, is, I think, working for either Global or CTV. Uh, who, who's DeMello working for? I'm pretty sure he's at Global now. Uh, Colin DeMello? Uh, Global, all right. So uh, so uh, a, a person working for, for, for Global News uh, asked a very good question because that's that's what he does for a living. And, and, and Doug Ford decided to talk about where he lives. First of all, if you could just offer me his name and, and, and tell me what the relevance is of where the reporter lives because Ford seemed to be obsessed about discussing the fact that this person, this reporter, imagine this, this reporter actually had a roof over his head. So he had a place of permanent shelter and it was relatively close to Queens Park, the Ontario legislature. Why, why was Ford obsessed about, about the mailing address of the reporter? Well, Colin DeMello, who works for Global, is kind of a star reporter in the Toronto Queens Park uh, area. And he asked the tough questions and he has long been, you know, celebrated for that. And so when we were getting to another Ford press conference where Ford was putting out some garbage, Colin challenged him. He challenged him and the question wasn't even that difficult. You know, he was just saying, given all the findings, how can people trust you? That kind of deal. Ford took umbrage to the characterization and like bullies do, decided to try to intimidate. That's the only way you can read it. He said, Colin, you came from your, you know, your nice home down the street, Colin. I know where you live, Colin. You've got a nice house, Colin. Unlike the many people in Ontario who can't afford it and don't have your opportunities. I mean, that's pitting the reporter against a whole swath of people watching this live press conference who might now have resentment against that reporter and now know that he's somewhere adjacent to this location where the press conference was being held. I mean, some people are calling that doxing. He didn't, Ford didn't give out the address, but certainly it was a premier who was angry. He got off his sort of folksy, come on folks, I care about the little guy. And instead did something that I have never seen in all my years that I was a television reporter and all the years since. Actually saying to a reporter, I know where you live, I know how you live, and making that the way to get out of a difficult question. I mean, that's not just unprofessional, Charles, that crosses the line ethically, if not in other ways. So, you know, I'm, I hope that everything is okay with, with Colin and his family. But one of the things that that moment, that foolish, unforced error by Ford did, was it made the other journalists start to scrum him 
which they hadn't really been doing yet, where the next journalist said, well, wait a second, you know, I don't have a home. <laughs> like, what the heck was that about? And when you start to see the media who are, you know, can be a cynical, detached bunch at times, when you start to see them coalescing and, and sort of really getting together and saying something's going on here, if our, if our colleagues being attacked on live television like that, verbally, and in a way that is, you know, crossing a line by this premier, uh, you're going to start to see them work together. And that is what takes down people, right? You remember the scrums that we were seeing around Doug Ford's brother um, at the height of his scandal. It was unbelievable. When journalists feel as though there's enough darkness behind a story, enough lies that, that, a, that a lead on the story, someone of great power and privilege like a premier can make it personal with a reporter, can attack essentially the person doing their job, that only adds chum. And I'm talking like, I talked to some people who were there, you know, wow, talk about rattling a bear cage. What an, what an idiotic thing for the premier to do in a moment of peak he managed to galvanize the, the, the Ontario media. And I've even seen support for the media that you haven't seen in a number of years, right? Because they're like... Well, I just, I, I just, I just have a problem. Obviously, I was part of the Ontario media for, for a long time. Uh, but I just have a problem with this kind of village idiot uh, rhetoric. I mean, don't you have to be a village idiot to think that a big league reporter is not going to be able to afford decent housing in that area? Like what, what, like, I just, sorry, I, I, I can't reduce myself to the level of a village idiot because that's what I think you have to be. Uh, a, to say that, and then B, most importantly, that's what you have to be to believe that that is an issue. Well, I don't think that the premier believes it's an issue because as you and I know, he grew up in wealth, right? He had wealth given to him. <laughs> so I don't think he thinks it's an issue at all. I think what he was trying to do was he was realizing that he was losing the press conference. And I felt so bad for the school where they staged it at because you just watched them in the background watching this thing go sideways and the education minister checking his watch. It was so painful, Charles. And so the, the premier got angry, got angry that Colin wasn't going to fall for his nonsense spin that we'd heard a few days earlier at another terrible press conference he held. And so he decided, you know what, I'm going to pit the public against the reporter. It reminded me, and I'm, I know people say, oh, Trump, Trump, Trump. He's Ford's not Trump, but that's a Trumpian tactic to say, look at them at the back, turn around, hate them. They're the media. That's what that was. And it was gross. And it backed. So, so, so Trump's people, his backers, millions of, of, of Republicans, uh, basically pretend that all of the criminal uh, stuff that he's involved with, I think four, four different criminal indictments, uh, that it's really no big deal and it shouldn't prevent him from going to the White House. Do progressive conservatives in Ontario feel that way about Doug Ford? Do they feel no, no matter where... Uh, this uh, breadcrumb trail leads, uh, even if it leads to something criminal, even if it leads to serious proceedings, lawsuits, criminal trials, what have you, that it doesn't matter. Dougie is still our guy and Dougie is fit to be premier. Well, you know, I go back to why did the housing minister hire lawyers, right? <laughs> you know, why did he decide to quit after he just got the premier's endorsement that he shouldn't, that he should stay in the role? So to me, that says that at least one of them recognized that this might not be a, a solid victory for Doug Ford going forward. Is there the level of buy-in to the Ford nation that we have with the MAGA in the U.S.? No, I don't think there's that level, although there certainly are some 
people who got very, very angry this weekend at those of us who continued to say that, hey, this is only getting bigger, not smaller. So there's a lot of anger out there. And where there's anger, it tells me that people are feeling sensitive, that people are feeling like, uh-oh, you know, there's some, they know they're on to us or they're, they're feeling a little bit triggered. And so do all of the MPPs have knowledge of this? Of course, they probably don't. Um, but are you now tied to a very, very tarnished, if not toxic brand in Doug Ford? Yeah, you kind of are. So they all put out the teeny tweets this weekend saying how supportive they were of the minister stepping down and blah, blah, blah. That's what you would expect from a fairly tight controlled government like they have. Uh, but that doesn't last, Charles. When individuals with ambitions start to look at their own future and they say, wait a sec, I'm young. I could be the premier someday. Do I really want to be seen to be you know, in, in photo ops with this guy if he ends up going down or worse? if there's criminality at play in this thing. So, you know, if there's one thing I trust about all politicians is they have tremendous self-preservation skills and they're going to be looking at this. In fact, I tweeted that this weekend and wow, did I get a reaction, <laughs> you know? But you know, they're talking to their friends and family saying, can we ride it out with this guy? How bad is this? Should we be lowering up and or distancing ourselves? So we'll see them all stand behind the premier at this press conference, but I don't think it's gonna last. They told us nothing to see, a guy quit. Nothing to see, another guy quit, right? So let's see what's gonna happen. All right, so a guy quit. Is it difficult to, to find talent in the Ontario cabinet to be uh, named housing minister? I mean, he named Calandra, and I'm bending over backwards, be polite. Uh, so the most polite way I can put this is, Calandra was a fart catcher for Stephen Harper uh, for the longest time. And uh, it was all words and no thought. Um, people were describing him as, 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 you know, dumber than a brick. Why would, why would Mr. Brick be the new housing minister? Well, if I can switch to a crisis communication lens, Charles, sometimes when you're running a war room and you're in so much trouble that you have to literally get everyone on a very tight message with tight guardrails, we call it a global positioning statement, and sometimes it changes by the hour. When you need that kind of tight control, sometimes all you want in the role is someone who can be a good mouthpiece. Uh, your term, <laughs> you've got a different term for that kind of role. Uh, but someone who can say, okay, whatever you tell me to say, I will say it. Loyal foot soldier, whatever whatever way you want to look at it. Sometimes you don't want the, the, you know, the brightest and the most articulate and the person who can be the most extemporaneous in that gig. You want someone who can go up there and echo the centralized talking points, the GPS and stay within those tight guardrails. So maybe that's why he's picked this person for the job. I don't care though, Charles. There is nobody within his entire caucus that would be themselves powerful, interesting, intelligent, articulate, or housing capable enough to put into that role to satiate me until we see those lands returned. And when you've got people like, I don't, I'm sure people across the country know Margaret Atwood, she's all over this. She likened Ford's, you know, what's to being in a nutcracker. You know? I mean, this is, this is at a level where people are just saying, no, no, we've had enough of the spin. We've had enough of the switching personalities in this. We need RCMP. We need to know uh, if there is corruption and rot and who's running the premier's office in Ontario. So, Laura, on, on the one hand, I know that as an Ontario citizen, you're angry about this, yeah. but at, at a completely different level, it's, it's obvious that you're having, I have, I have to say this, it's obvious that you're having some fun with this. So how do you, how do you square the circle? I'm mad about it as a citizen, as a resident, as a taxpayer of Ontario. On the other hand, 
you know, the, the, this 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 is the, the the best piece of red meat in the country politically right now. Well, there's a couple of things, right? If you don't laugh, you cry. And some of this stuff, when I think about my kids having wetlands around our area being developed, when we've seen how catastrophic that can be with flooding in other cities, uh, you know, uh, why why would why would any of us not be very angry about that? But also, as a former journalist, Charles, I got into the business because I wanted to root out corruption and hold truth to power. So for me, this is in my wheelhouse. I'm in public relations now. You know, I've had my own company for 25 years. But when I see the media having this tremendous job ahead of them, and when I see a politician who feels as though they are above the law, that that fires me up. And do I enjoy being able to hold people to account a hundred percent. I was, you know, I don't have certain skills, Charles, don't ask me to sing or, or do a number of other things, but I am absolutely able to help focus public perception on an issue. It's what I'm good at and I enjoy it. People think I'm obsessed that I'm spending all day. I spent my long weekend partying. Those tweets take me about 20 minutes out of 24 hours, um, but I do it because I have strong feelings about it and I'm able to, I hope, help get some accountability. Well, I want to uh, applaud you for having a strong ethical foundation as, as the reason for getting into the media business. The only reason I got into the business is I wasn't getting my calls returned from people like you. And I thought maybe, maybe if I get access to a microphone or a camera, maybe, maybe Laura Babcock will give me a few minutes someday. Laura, thank you. As always. My pleasure, Charles. Anytime. <laughs>